blessed Easter to you. This video is scheduled to be released on Easter Sunday, 2022. And I'm going to be focusing on one of the most beautiful scenes in all of the Gospels, and that is John 20, where Mary Magdalene meets Jesus by the tomb after he's been risen from the dead. I'm going to be focusing on a particular aspect of it. It's focus on physical motion. In quite a number of uh, interviews, and also I believe I mentioned it in the Eye of the Beholder, I mentioned that John is the evangelist of physical motion. He doesn't do it all the time. In fact, if he did it all the time, it would be suspicious. But in several different scenes in his gospel, he suddenly starts reporting physical motions for a few verses at a time. I'm going to link below a video I did earlier called Gospel Details in the Goldilocks Zone for more discussion of that and how the gospel's use of details doesn't look like modern fiction, doesn't look like ancient fiction, such as it was, and doesn't look like ancient rhetoric that was meant to uh, work up the emotions and be over the top. It's got this simultaneous vividness and restraint that is characteristic more of, of memoir and of someone reporting something they really remember and there are certain parts of it that are vivid to them. Now, in this case, I'm not claiming that the beloved disciple was present at the meeting between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, but I am claiming that he could certainly have known Mary Magdalene and have received the story from her. So I'm going to start by reading it and then go into some commentary. What I'm uh, using here as a basis is a passage from my forthcoming book called Testimonies to the Truth, Why You Can Trust the Gospels. I have this in draft right now and I'm editing it and I decided that a short passage from there would make a good reading for today with a little additional comment by me. So I'm going to start with this passage from John. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. John twenty eleven through 16. There's a lot that could be said about this, but here I'm going to focus on the, the vividness of the details Okay, notice I, I write that Mary scarcely even seems to wonder who these men are in the tomb talking to her. This is a fascinating note of realism in the scene. One might think that Mary would wonder, who are these people and what are they doing inside the tomb? The thought doesn't even seem to cross her mind. The insightful French 19th century commentator, F.L. Godet, notes this point eloquently. Mary remains and weeps. And as one does when vainly seeking for a precious object, she looks ever anew at the place where it seems to her it, he should be. 
Mary answers the question of the celestial visitors as simply as if she had been conversing with human beings. So completely is she preoccupied with a single idea to recover her master. Who could have invented this feature of the story? That's Godet, and that's an incredibly insightful set of comments just packed into those few sentences. Then I continue. Mary's physical movements, like those of the beloved disciple earlier, are described quite precisely. Here I'm talking about the slightly earlier verses where uh, the beloved disciple and Peter run to the tomb. Like the beloved disciple, she stoops down and looks in. The narrator implies that Mary turned multiple times. First, he says explicitly, she turns from speaking to the angels in the tomb and sees Jesus behind her. That's verse 14. She turned and saw Jesus. Then, as Godet says, she looks back again into the tomb. She knows, of course, that Jesus' body isn't there, but isn't that what we all do when we have lost something? We look again and again at the place where it should be. I've done this. Probably you've done this. If you lose your keys or anything that's important to you, and, and you're pretty sure it should be here, and you go back again and again, even when it's become un unreasonable to do so. Even though the text doesn't say that she looked into the tomb again, she must have done this because when Jesus speaks her name, the text says that she turned to him. Verse 16. So what you're supposed to picture here, you know, it says she turned to Jesus and then again, a couple verses later, it says she turned after he said her name. So that must mean that when he says, you know, what, whom are you seeking? She's answering him while looking back into the tomb. She's just like hardly even paying attention to him. She surmises he's the, he's the gardener and she's not even looking at him when she answers because he, she's looking back into the tomb, okay, and saying, if you've taken him away, tell me and, and I will take him. And then he says, Mary, and she whirls back around and turns again to him. It's recorded that she turned to him in verse 16. Her first answer to him is much like her answer to the angels. She has only one thought in her mind, to try to find Jesus' body. Even her failure to recognize Jesus fits here. She is weeping, has turned away from him almost immediately, and has her mind set on the idea that Jesus' body has been taken away. But when he says her name, she recognizes his voice and turns back to him in astonished joy, crying out, Rabboni. One can picture the young John listening to Mary Magdalene telling the story herself, perhaps illustrating her narrative with gestures. And like Jesus' mother in Luke, he kept all these things and pondered them in his heart. I'm going to just stop there and suggest that you ponder this in your heart today on this Feast of the Resurrection and ponder the rationality of believing in this joyful message that Jesus is risen from the dead. This is not the only evidence that I bring for the, the reliability and unembellished nature of the Gospels. I've brought much other evidence, but this is a type of evidence that you aren't going to hear about very often. These gospel details in the Goldilocks zone and John as the author of physical motion and the specifics of, of how Mary Magdalene turns back and forth and how this all fits together in this beautiful account of her meeting Jesus in the garden. So I'm going to just 
suggest that you, you think about this, that Christianity gives us joyful faith that's almost too good to be true, but it isn't too good to be true because we also have evidence that it really is true. A happy Easter to you. Thanks for watching.